Hi, this is Mac Rogers. I am a producer and co-founder of Gideon Media. And I'm Jordana Williams, and I directed Amalem. Hi, Mac. <laughs> hey, Jordana. So uh, <laughs> uh, what, what we're about to share here is, uh, uh, for lack of a better phrasing, this is sort of um, Gideon Media's Christmas special. Why don't you tell the folks a little bit about what we're about to present? Sure. Uh, this is the Nativity story as interpreted by our own Sean Williams. Um, it's a very earthy, very strange, very wonderful uh, version. I kind of don't want to say too much about it. Um, but uh, we first did this play in 2018 uh, at the Brick Theater in Brooklyn, New York. And um, ever since then, our family has uh, read this scene uh, every Christmas, um, it, it's uh, it's part of our rituals. Uh, I just didn't know after that. Watching, it's a wonderful life. Yeah, um, but oh, that's awesome. the very first thought I actually had when we talked about um, transferring Omelem to audio is, oh, thank goodness, we will get a recording of Kristen telling this story. Uh, Kristen Vaughn, who plays Mother Mary, is an extraordinary actor. Um, yeah, honestly, we've been holding back from y'all. We should apologize <laughs> for that. Uh, she is one of the absolute stars of our stable of theater actors. We, we of course, you know, we brought you know the entire cast back, uh, but we were, you know, thrilled to be able to bring Kristen back in this role. And as Jordana said, finally immortalize this extraordinary performance. Yeah, Kristen is an absolute emotional sniper, um, <laughs> and she somehow lives the utter emotional truth of this woman from a couple thousand years ago. Um, who had a who had a little bit of a rough time, but um, <laughs> but found some beauty in it anyway. The way that Sean has written it is very surprising, very unconventional, but and I think this is key. It's not in any way sacrilegious or disrespectful. In fact, it's I, I you know I think you could be quite devout and still get a lot out of this because it is a story about suffering and perseverance and carrying on under a situation of great difficulty. Um, and, but kind of giving Mary free reign in a way that this story doesn't often give her to explain what that experience of tremendous difficulty and privation was like for Absolutely. her. Absolutely. Uh, I love this story. I love this performance. Uh, a Christmas present to ourselves, a Christmas present to all of you. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope you enjoy the Gideon Media version of the Nativity Story. Happy holidays from Gideon Media. I wasn't much more than a baby myself. My father spoke to my husband and they arranged it when I was 13. I think I was 13. Many of my friends were being promised and Joseph was much older than I was. I thought he was ancient. <laughs> but of course, I'm older now than he was then. And I am not that old. We hadn't yet married. Joseph had to make chairs. He was to be gone for almost a year to make chairs for the market men. So Joseph went to Jerusalem. He came here to make chairs, and I stayed in Nazareth. You stayed with your family? Well, yes. I stayed with my new family with Joseph's family, but not my old family. 
I had been promised, so I stayed with them. In Nazareth? Yes. I'm sorry. Go ahead. That summer, I slept outside in the garden. It was a terribly hot summer, and the air inside the house wouldn't move. A candle flame would drift up the length of two hands from the wick without flickering. And I couldn't stand it inside. I would wear as little as I could and drench the nightclothes with my sweat. So I slept outside in the garden. What did you use for a bed? I slept in the garden. I slept on the soil. You... Just us. Uh, uh, fine. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Go on. I used to hear my husband's father and mother moving around at night. And I could see the stars spraying about in the sky, and I would drift between dream and waking. Dream and waking. The same way I do now, sometimes, but so much more. As a child, that drifting is so much more. Mm, yes. Gabriel came to me that summer and told me he had a message for me. He said... Wait, uh, who is Gabriel? The angel Gabriel. The angel Gabriel? Yes. Gabriel, the angel... Just us. She clarified that. It was the angel Gabriel. I'm sorry. Mary, please go on. Gabriel visited me several times. He liked that I slept in the garden. He liked the soil. He said that I was most highly favored in God's eyes. I remember him saying that because I didn't understand it, the words. Mary, you are most highly favored in God's eyes. I didn't understand it. And did this angel, Gabriel, uh, did, did he do anything to you? He spoke to me, and when I didn't understand him, he led me to understanding. Can, can you, uh... I'm trying to figure out how to ask you this. Uh, how did he lead you to understanding? He said the same thing. Again and again, until God let me understand it. He said, You are most highly favored in God's eyes. And he pushed that idea into me so that the parts of my mind that were cluttered began to push away and out until the mess in my mind was made clean and this one idea pushed further and further into my heart until suddenly my heart shattered like glass and came back together again in an instant before shattering and repairing again and again. I lay in the soil in my husband's father's garden looking up at Gabriel and I I thought I knew what it meant. I was God's most highly favored and I would bring his son into the world. Right, I yes, I I think I got it. When Joseph came home He was so kind with me. 
I was already carrying the Son of God. I was already carrying Jesus. I remember he sat with me and asked me how this had happened, and I told him the story. And as I told him, I watched how his face moved, how it shifted and swam. It was like watching the stars spin in the sky when I slept in the garden. He went into the house and sat alone for some time. And then he came out and he sat by me. He had shimmering eyes and he held me and said, if you tell me you are carrying the Son of God, then the Son of God he is. I had known the love of my family. I had known the love of his family, and I had even known the infinite glory of God's love, but I had never experienced love like that. And I thought, maybe I am most highly favored in God's eyes, for he gave me Joseph. Okay. Mary... I need you to focus. Now we need to talk about the birth. Yes. Yes. There was a census. Which one? There have been more. I thought there was just the one. 3755. Right. And we had to travel. Joseph had been born before his family moved to Nazareth, and we had to travel for weeks to get where he was born. Where did you go? I don't remember. Bethlehem. Yes. Yes? It, I don't remember. It was Bethlehem. Micah. Yes, yes, Bethlehem. I was so heavy. I couldn't walk. I couldn't ride the donkey. I was so tired. We thought it would be ten days. It was more. It was weeks. Maybe it was years. I couldn't walk, and all we had was the donkey and the road. I wanted to lie down. I remember this feeling, this needing to lie down there on the road. Um, On the first day, I couldn't imagine the second. On the second day, the third was impossible. I looked at the dry road, and I saw the cool, moist garden where I'd slept the summer before. The road became the garden, and I was consumed with desire. This desire for sleep. And Joseph saw me and knew I was suffering. So on the third day, he told me a story. It was long and funny about an orchard. (laughs) And the next day, he told me stories, and the next, and the next, over and over. He told me stories from the Torah. He told me stories from his mother. He told me one story, and I knew it. (laughs) My mother had told me. And we started to laugh. And it was ten days and twelve days. He helped me on the donkey and then helped me back down. And all the while he told me stories that made me laugh and forget the walking. This is crazy. We're nowhere with this. Stop. Mary, please, go on. One day, the walking 
was done. The baby had been kicking, but now he was just lying like a swallowed stone. We arrived weeks late, and the census was to be the following day, but we had nowhere to go. We went from house to house, but all the houses were full of families. We had lost hope we would have to lie on our coats in the street, not in the garden, but with stones and sticks. Joseph found a man who would let us put up the donkey, a stableman. We brought her into this thatched clay room, and it was miraculous. It was perfect. The stableman saw my face and smiled and said we could sleep here if we wanted, in the stable. I looked at Joseph, but his eyes were already dancing when he saw my face. How can I describe the stable? It was no different than anywhere I had ever been. But the animals were creeping and mewling, and their heat filled the walls. The walls were full of the warmth of life. It was majestic. It was humble. It was princely. It was a home. My boy knew. He awoke. Baruch Hashem. You gave birth there. A shepherd came in, saw me crying, and ran. <laughs> I thought we would be thrown out. I thought I would bring Jesus into the world lying in this street. But the stableman smiled and said nothing. He had spoken to Gabriel, I thought. He knew that I was most highly favored in God's eyes. He began to pile up straw, then he lay his cloak on the straw and told me to lie down. Joseph was so frightened. I had never seen that look in his eye. He said later that he wasn't. <laughs> but I know. I saw and the animals were frightened, too, for Joseph was pacing, and his eyes were like jewels. The stableman touched each animal, saying, There, there. These are just weary travelers, and you and I have seen this many, many times. Then he turned to Joseph and smiled. I remember he said, Every living thing here was born in this room. Fear not. This will be a day of great joy. The pain was... Yes. <laughs> you have children? I have six. It got easier with each. Easier, but never easy. And I was only a child with the first. As was I. No more than 15. <sighs> they will never know. Their burden is that they know they will never know. <laughs> <laughs> when he was still alive, not a day went by that Joseph didn't hold me in wonder. Watching that birth changed him. My memory of it is like a dream. I, I could leave it behind. His memory of it was like the width of his poem, like a unit of measure. 
He could close his eyes and see it without trying. Yes, yes, you are both miracle workers. I wonder if Jesus would say the same thing about my mother, who was a whore. Of course he would. Jesus loves whores. See, and you guys were worried about how to shape the message. We could just go with Jesus loves whores. He loves everyone. Fine. Just us. Please. Mary, tell me. I gave birth to Jesus. I was a fright. He was as well. I was able to give him my milk, but we looked as if we'd been ripped apart. The stableman cleaned me and the baby while Joseph... (laughs) You won't believe this, but he lined the manger with straw. I was so tired. I had walked from Nazareth and been torn in two, and I couldn't lift the baby. And the the shepherd, who had run away before, came back with his wife and sisters. The sisters had babies themselves. They had swaddling clothes. And we wrapped Jesus and set him in the manger with the straw to sleep. You put the baby in the manger? I couldn't hold him anymore. He was so big, and I was so tired. The sisters and the mother stayed. The stableman stayed for him. This was another birth, another foal, another lamb. (laughs) The shepherd ran away, of course. (laughs) But other shepherds' wives came. And carpenters' wives and farmers' wives, they bought their children and their babies. Why? Because they didn't want to leave their babies alone. No, no. Why did they come? Why did they come at all? Because they knew the Son of God had come. They came to see the newborn king. No. Mary, you have to understand, Jesus will be No. I'm sorry, Magdalena, but no. When he was born, he was an angel's baby. That is all. Oh, my God. Like every baby, he was an angel's baby. But when the women came, the sisters and wives... They blessed him. They made him holy. It was then that I understood I am most highly favored, not in God's eyes. God's eyes look everywhere, not with favor on any one of us. I am most highly favored because of us, because of our people. He has to be anointed. He has to be the promised one. Don't worry. He will be. He is. Not because an angel put him in me. He is glorified by the goodness of Joseph. He was made holy by the crucible of the journey. He was blessed by the stableman. And then he was sanctified by the shepherd mothers. I am most highly favored because of what Israel did for my little baby born in a barn and laid to sleep in borrowed swaddling clothes. We led him into this world so he could destroy it and make it new. Amalim, you can do this? Oh, yes. This I can do. Gideon Media presents Amalim by Sean Williams, directed by Jordana Williams. Sound design by Bart Fassbender. 
Music by Adam Blau. Produced by Kara Ehlenfeldt. Featuring Danny Martinek, Nat Cassidy, Yolanda Kay, Charlie E. Parker, Sean Williams, and Kristen Vaughn. Special thanks to Augustus Alexander, Steve Alexander, Micah Busey, Julie Castle, Dan Coyce, Harper Coyce, Lyra Coyce, Kate Cosma, Will Lowry, Lori Parquet, Stacy Raymond, Alia Smith, Moira Stone, Barnaby Williams, and Marlena Williams. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Modes of thought in Interran literature. Second year classics, Harvard University. Seven years ago, a Chinese military sub accidentally went down in the Pacific Ocean. Turns out, the sub fell smack in front of a gigantic three-sided pyramid in the ruins of what we now call Dark City. This Interran lit class. Seems like there's a lot of debate about it. Legally, I cannot stop you from teaching this class, but I strongly advise that What? You, you know what, if you want to tank your reputation, that's on you. You don't believe a word I say about Antara, right? You're right. I do not believe Antara exists. I need to know, is it real? You came all the way to China to find out? Okay, everyone get out right now. Now, Raquel, what the hell are you doing? I'm gonna cut my hand, and you're all gonna feel it. Ow! See? I told you. Modes of Thought in Interran Literature. An audio drama. Produced by Wolf of the Door Studios. For more information, please visit WLFDR.com.